Good morning. My name is Ryan Schreckengast, uh, and I'm one of the preachers here at GFC. And I want us to start off this morning with a little bit of a corporate exercise, all right? This will only take a couple of seconds, and this isn't the kind of exercise that you need to stand up or move around. It's a mental exercise. Think for a couple of seconds about a story from your life. Maybe this is the funniest story. Maybe this is the most emotional story. Think about some story that you would tell to someone if they're trying to get to know you. Okay? Just think about that story in your head. Wait just a second while you get it. All right? Now, think about how you would start telling that story. And I want you to raise your hand and keep it up if your story starts something like this. My friends and I, or I have this friend who, or when I was younger, me and my friends used to, or once my friend. All right. Raise your hand if your story starts like that. Okay, great. So what is it? There's a few of you, less than I expected, uh, <laughs> but but there are a few of you. Um, what is it about our lives? When we think about our lives, the things that are the most memorable in these moments are centered around our friends. Why the best moments or the worst moments are so closely tied to these people that we call friends. And today we're going to discuss this topic of friendship uh, as it's presented to us in Proverbs. This is our fourth week studying some topics from Proverbs. And I want to remind you how we started the series, uh, looking at how important it is to recognize how the Proverbs are set to direct the reader along a certain trajectory. One of the trajectories moves a person deeper into relationship with God. And that is defined as wisdom. The other trajectory moves a person deeper into self-centeredness or sin. And this is defined as folly. So it's critical that you keep this in mind as we continue to talk about the Proverbs today and also next week. And today we're going to continue this theme as it applies to friendship. We'll see how wisdom in friendship does several things. It chooses wise friends. It loves and forgives. It gives godly counsel and it is faithful or dependable. In each of these sections of your outlines, we're going to look at what the Proverbs say about both wise and then also foolish friends. So we're going to do that for each of the sections. And then lastly, we'll see how each of these characteristics of a wise friend is actually an expression of the character of God and that it's personified in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the best friend and will draw you in in wisdom deeper into relationship with God than any other friend possibly could. And there's lots of references that we're going to go through today, and they should be displayed on the screen behind me. Um, but there's even more that are printed on your outline than we're going to talk about today. So they're there for your uh, future enjoyment. OK, let's jump right in uh, and talk about how a wise friend chooses wise friends. So right now, uh, both of my children are small, but one day, Lord willing, they will grow. Uh, and I am really looking forward to the point in their life where I can use the stereotypical dad sayings, something I'm really looking forward to. All right. Things like you can't date till you're 30 or if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump off it, too? 
But the sad fact is the answer to that second stereotypical question is yes. Yes, you will jump off a cliff if all of your friends are doing it too. And the Proverbs is full of warnings about the power of friendship and how it's actually inevitable that you will become like your friends. And this is why it's so important that you choose wise friends, because we will become like them. And this is both terrifying and incredibly encouraging. It means that God has given us access to an immensely powerful tool of transformation. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of the fool will suffer harm. So if we desire to be wise, we have a biblical roadmap that shows us exactly how to become wise. If we surround ourselves with friends who are themselves growing in wisdom, then we too will grow in wisdom. When Steph and I moved to State College, we only had two friends here, uh, but our friend Matt was involved with a life group, a Bible study. And he introduced us within the first week that we started coming here to an entire group of friends that strove to know God more. And this, in turn, introduced us to other dear friends, uh, John and Casey Cannon, who many of you may know, and they brought us to a special church where they attended, GFC. And now the deepest, most edifying relationships in the life of me and my wife are here. And we have grown in the Lord in untold ways through each step in that process, through all of our friends, from the two that we knew, to now hundreds here in State College who are drawing us closer to the Lord. So this is just an example of how blessed we have been to have wise friends that draw us closer to the Lord. But what would it look like if this power of transformation that's been used in our life was used instead for folly? Proverbs 10:17 warns us of this. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. It's a deadly myth that your foolish choices only harm yourself. They also harm your friends. And for sad proof of this, we only need to look at we only need to look at some of the, the tragedies that have happened through irresponsible uh, use of friendships, even at Penn State, through, through fraternities um, or sororities that twist this idea of friendship. But brotherhood and friendship are good, godly blessings, and fraternity is a noble goal. But if it's corrupted or done irresponsibly, then there can be tragic consequences. Not just deaths that we've heard about, but also damaged identities or souls, or many, many who are led astray. One other point I want to make on this topic, uh, as Peter said in his first sermon, uh, of wisdom and folly are trajectories. They're not absolute states of being. So remember that. That's very important, because that means that if you are a Christian and you are seeking to have wise friendships, it means that you not only can have non-Christian friends, but in fact that you should have non-Christian friends. A wise friend is someone who is on a trajectory to the Lord, someone who is moving closer and deeper in relationship with him, even if they do not yet know him personally. 
you may be one of the wise friends who draws him closer to the Lord, and they may draw you closer to the Lord through your dependence on him in that friendship. But the key, however, is to make friends with people who are full, who are truly seeking wisdom. And that means seeking the Lord and pushing you to do the same, even if they know it or not. You should be wary, though, of a foolish friend who is rejecting reproof and who draws you, likewise, into self-centered folly. So the Proverbs makes it clear that, that there is a great power in friendship. But how do you evaluate whether or not your friends are wise or foolish friends? And more importantly, if you are being a wise or a foolish friend. Let's look at the second section, number two. A wise friend loves and forgives wrongs. What do the Proverbs say about the behavior of a wise friend? Well, people by our very nature are broken and sinful people. We are made for relationships, but we are so bad at it. We all can fail at friendship. We all are selfish or petty, or even when we're at our best, our thoughtlessness or our ignorance can wound our friends. So having a wise or being a wise friend does not mean having perfect friends or being a perfect friend. That's impossible for us as humans. But so how can we ever live in a relationship of friendship with others when all of us, them and us, are broken sinners. Proverbs 10.12 gives us the answer. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. So a wise friend does not expect perfection from their friends, but they recognize the common state of sanctification, that is, the continual process of becoming more like Christ. Have you ever been disappointed or hurt by a friend? Have you ever asked or wondered, how could they do that to you? Well, the answer is simple. Your friends are sinners. But so are you. And so am I. So we will be wronged. You will be wronged by your friends, and you will wrong them. But a wise friend recognizes that those same people are loved by God, and then they will love them as well. And this is so powerful, this love that covers over wrongs, because it allows us to enter into relationships even when it hurts, even when there's conflict. I remember a story when Aiden was much smaller. Um, he got into, that's my son, he got into a uh, conflict with an older child of a close friend. Uh, and this conflict escalated within a few seconds to the point where the other kid was kicking Aiden. And I asked the other parent to intervene, and they did, uh, but I felt that the response from the parent was, if not encouraging, encouraging the behavior, then it was at least permitting that behavior. And I was very upset now, not just at the kid, but also at the parent who was my close friend because of how they intervened. But the critical factor here was that we loved this family, and we knew that they loved us too. So rather than just stewing on the incident or even ignoring it and pretending like it didn't happen, we arranged to have a meeting with the parents um, to talk about what happened. Uh, It turned out that the reaction from the other parent was based primarily on the fact that they didn't see that action as it was happening. And I learned through that interaction 
that the part I didn't see was that 30 seconds earlier, Aiden had hit the other kid in the face with a hefty-sized stick. (laughs) So our reactions were understandably at conflict because we didn't have the whole story. But despite the hurt, physical and emotional, we knew that we loved this family, and we knew that they loved us. So because of that love, we were both able to admit where we were wrong, and as a result, we are now closer with this family, and our kids play together better every day than any time before, and we are constantly growing deeper with them. And one of these hardest conflicts that I've had in recent uh, recent years has turned out to be one of the best stories of reconciliation and love and conflict resolution because we both loved each other. And Proverbs puts it like this, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So in God's kingdom, even conflict can be redeemed and can grow us closer to the Lord, even rubbing against one another in painful ways as iron sharpens iron can encourage us into a deeper relationship with the Lord. Proverbs 17:9 also says this, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So these verses and many, many of the other ones that are also on your outline um, and many throughout scripture uh, show how love coupled with a wise fear of the Lord, redeems even great hurt and separation. But what if the participants do not seek the Lord in wisdom, but instead they seek their own way in folly? It's not hard to remember these kinds of foolish conflicts. Look at the foolish section on your outline. It's no wonder that these kind of conflicts that are handled foolishly leave us fleeing from all conflicts Altogether, we don't communicate with a party that has offended us, or we seek to show everyone else around us just how justified we are and how wrong the other person is. We break relationships because of the hurts or assumptions about character and motivation, and we hold our flag of offense and we wave it. I am offended until we're standing alone. And Proverbs 18:19 tells us that a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. So we place ourselves in opposition to our brothers and we say you are wrong, I am right and we we put ourselves in opposition to them and then they get defensive and then they fortify themselves against us. So we stand back from afar and we snipe and we whisper Uh, hoping to make other people see what it is that we think we see in those people. And this brings about not only broken relationships among one another, but also among God. One of the seven things that the Proverbs tells us that the Lord hates is in Proverbs 6.19. One who sows discord among brothers is one of the ones whom God hates. People who are breaking these relationships through their folly and self-centeredness. Rather than seeking wisdom, covering wounds with love, we separate each other, and that breaks God's heart. So, Grace Fellowship Church, how do we apply this? Please wisely cover offense with love. Do not sow discord. 
Roommates. What does this look like for you? Well, when your roommate leaves a room a mess, don't complain about it to your other friends. Forgive them. Talk to them and reach an agreement. Spouses. Do not run from the hard conversations that might lead to conflict about money or family or discipline. But together with your spouse, seek Christ and go through that conflict with love. Children, you know that thing that you sometimes do that makes your brother or your sister mad? Don't do that. Don't do that thing. Adults, same application (laughs) to your children and to each other. Church members, assume the best about one another. Rely on the evidence of grace through Christ Jesus that we see in each other's lives to shape everything that we say or when that we everything that you say or that you hear about one another. Do these things and you will grow in wisdom. And you will sharpen one another, even when it hurts. And Proverbs assures us that there will be those hurts. Even sometimes a wise friend can hurt us. This is because our hearts, well, even sometimes we will receive hurts from a wise friend. Because our hearts are deceitful and folly calls to us. But godly counsel can warn us away. This is why our next topic is a wise friend gives godly counsel. Point three. So how do you know if your friends love you? Is it the words that they speak to you? Is it the actions that they take? Is it both of those things? And what happens if the actions or the words disagree with one another? Is it true that the better a friend is, the less they will hurt you? Well, Proverbs says something utterly profound. Look at Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful, trustworthy, loving, reliable, honest, true are the wounds of a friend. This passage does not say that you will not be wounded by your friends. Far from it. But it actually says that when coming from a wise friend... A wound can be valuable. Remember that that scale we talked about at the beginning, the definitions of wisdom and folly. A wise friend is one who moves you deeper into relationship with God. And a sinful, uh, but as a sinful person, sometimes moving closer to God and letting go of your sin can hurt. But if you are a wise friend, then godly counsel that is given to you by wise friends is a blessing. Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and so does the sweetness of a friend that comes from his earnest counsel. Some examples of this. If it weren't for some of the the wise, loving counsel of my father, I would not likely be married to my amazing wife, Steph. Uh, I remember coming home from college one day to visit my parents, and I'm sure that when my dad talked to me, uh, he used more tactful and considerate wording. Uh, but basically, he just asked me, why haven't you thought about pursu- pursuing this amazing, godly woman? If you miss this chance, you're an idiot. And I jest a little bit, uh, but it's true that if I had allowed my pride or 
or some other impediment to get in the way of me hearing wise counsel from a godly, wise man, then I would have been an idiot. I know a converse story as well, uh, where a friend was pursuing a girl, and he had even proposed to her, but neither of them were yet spiritually in, were in a spiritual state uh, where they were trusting fully on the Lord. But through much prayer and godly counsel, they decided to break off the engagement, which was a painful, painful thing. And that time, though the most painful in their lives, led them both to a deeper, deeper dependence on the Lord. They let go of a great deal uh, that they had been holding on to, and they worked through some deep spiritual issues until they could then come back and approach marriage from a godly foundation of love and mutual dependence on Christ. Now they are married and their relationship is a powerful testimony. But if they had resisted that counsel to put Christ first and their spiritual health before their own desires, it would have been a much different story. So these stories illustrate that sometimes wise, godly counsel can go against the inclinations of our hearts. But if we are wise, we will follow that trajectory toward God and resist the temptation of self-centeredness and sin. So let's dig into that side of it a little bit more. Look again at Proverbs 27.6. It's not, it's not up on there again, but just remember, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The kisses of an enemy. A folly moves a person further away from their dependence on God, relying instead on self-dependence. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Kind words, affirmation, and even kisses are not a guarantee of a friend, and certainly not of a wise friend. It's so, so, so tempting to seek out people who will agree with us in all circumstances, who will affirm our choices no matter what. They make us feel self-righteous or vindicated. But friends, our hearts are not the compass by which wisdom is reckoned. It's God who sets that course. In fact, it's far more likely that your heart will lead you astray and you're in danger of giving in to foolish selfishness. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. When you are isolating yourself, even isolating yourself only to um, the friends who are agreeing with you and telling you what you want to hear, you are breaking out against sound judgment, and that's foolish. I know a young woman uh, who announced that she had an intention to change her gender, uh, and the response from her friends and her family is very saddening to me. On one hand, she's blessed because she is surrounded by family and friends who love her. But the overwhelming response from these friends and family has been, be true to your heart and we will support you. Now, while the love of these friends is genuine, it is not wise. These friends are operating on an ideology that following your heart and its desires is the truest source of happiness and fulfillment. And so their counsel reflects that belief. However, there are others in her life that love her just as deeply, but they are operating under a different ideology, 
one where God is the truest source of happiness and fulfillment. They love her and they desire to support her, not in the pursuit of folly of her heart, but in pursuit of God and to see the beautiful person that he created her to be. But the foolish friends of this young woman are giving her a myth that love equals unconditional affirmation. That if people would wound her by suggesting she do anything other than what her heart desires, then those people must not love her. And that is a lie. And it's the greatest folly. So church, let's apply this. Give wise counsel that draws your friends to further dependence on God. And then likewise, treasure the counsel that does the same thing for you even when it hurts. Parents, train up your children to discern the will of God, even when it would just be easier to demand obedience. If you're a wounded friend today, ask yourself if the wound you received is a faithful wound from a wise friend or not. Did it come from a friend who is loving you and is giving you counsel that drives you closer to the Lord? If it did, then cover that offense with love and work through it with them. And let go of what you believe you may have been wronged. But if it was counsel not from a wise friend, then let it go. Don't allow counsel to drive you further from dependence of the Lord. Church, all of us, please, we need to submit the desires of our heart to the Lord. And we can see what he does with that. God loves you more than you can imagine. And he wants to satisfy you in ways that you can barely comprehend. Your desires are safe with him. He will either either give you those desires of your heart. And when he does, you won't be a slave to them because they came from him. Or he won't. And you can know that it is for the good. So to answer the question that I started this section with, how will you know if your friends love you? Well, you, you will know that a friend truly loves you and that they are a wise friend when both their words and their actions point you into a deeper relationship with Christ. So Proverbs has shown us that a wise friend chooses wise friends because you will become like them. A wise friend loves and forgives wrongs. And a wise friend gives godly counsel. Now let's look at the next section. A wise friend is faithful or dependable. In this section, we'll see how a wise friend not only does all of these preceding things that we've talked about, but that they do it faithfully. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. What a comfort it is to know that your friends will not abandon you when things get hard. That you can make the call any day, at any time, and your friends will do all of these previous things that we talked about. They will give you godly counsel. They will love you. They will forgive your wrongs. And they will surround you with a community that cares. And this is where we test the caliber of our friends. Not just the, in the sincerity of their advice but in their actions. Proverbs 26 says, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? 
It's not hard to find friends who claim to love you. But a wise friend is one who not only talks the talk, but also walks the walk with you in joy and in sorrow. Proverbs 20.11 says, Even a child makes himself known by his acts, whether his conduct is pure and upright. And this is truly a rare friend, one who sticks with you through this and does these aforementioned things. Uh, one of the darkest times in my life when I was at a spiritual low uh, was my junior and senior year in college. Uh, and during that time, my friend Joel was faithful. He did more for me. He did for me all of those things that I've been talking about. He constantly invited me to events with the student ministry that I was a part of, but not really attending. Uh, he gave me godly counsel and refused to let me slip into apathy. He called me all the time, and he didn't give up when I blatantly ignored his phone calls over and over and over again. He just kept calling me. He was so annoying. <laughs> didn't he understand that I just wanted to be left to my own devices? But he didn't. And I am so blessed to have many, many wise friends. And Joel was one who I could always depend on, even when I didn't want to. I just wanted him to leave me alone, <laughs> but he didn't. And I'm grateful. I have no idea why it was that he stuck with me, but he's one of the people who were instrumental in bringing me out of that time intact. It's because I've been so richly blessed to receive this faithfulness and dependability from my friends that I'm especially ashamed to admit that this is the area of friendship that I personally am most often a fool. Now look at the foolish section on your outline. I try very, very hard to choose wise friends and to give godly counsel and to love people very deeply. But when it comes to dependability on my part, often my selfishness is clear. Uh, many of you who have tried to call me or email me know that I am far from dependable. So let me publicly apologize to you now. I'm sorry that I have been a foolish friend to you. I get wrapped up in all of the critically important things that I'm doing that I often miss the simple act of communicating faithfully with my friends. And for this failing of mine, among many, many others, I desperately, desperately need the grace and the forgiveness of Christ Jesus. And even though this is the last point on your outline, this is where we really start today's sermon. Jesus is the best friend. He is the one that personifies all of these things perfectly. All of these characteristics of a wise friend, Jesus is the only one who does them without fault. So we're going to look back at each of these and move backwards now through your outline and look at how Jesus perfectly fulfills each of these, even when we as human friends fail. Proverbs 18.24 A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now look at these points again. Point four, a wise friend is faithful. And where I fail to be dependable, Jesus Christ made a way to live forever in your heart. He unites you to himself 
and as his co-heir then to the kingdom of God. He will never forsake you. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Point three, a wise friend gives godly counsel. Where even the wisest human counsel will fail us and will lead us astray, Christ, being one with God, never spoke any word that deviated from the will of the Lord. John twelve forty nine through 50. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Point two, a wise friend loves and forgives wrongs. Where our love can cover the offense of man, Christ's love covered the immeasurable gap that our sin places between us and God. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Point one, a wise friend chooses wise friends. How glorious is it that friendship with Christ brings us to be not only wise, but also to share in the inheritance of eternal life with God the Father. Galatians 4, 4 and 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through Christ, through God. And we do not even have to wait until some future time to start becoming like Christ. We can experience it now on earth through faith and through his crucifixion. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And friends, we get to see an amazing picture of this today. We're going to participate in a baptism where one of our members is going to proclaim this in front of each and every one of us. That is no longer he who lives, but Christ who lives in him. That is beautiful. What other friend in heaven or on earth or beneath the earth, could possibly compare to Christ. And I pray that you and I and all of us together spend the rest of our lives 
coming to know this friend more and more and more and more. Let's pray together, please. Uh, Lord God, I thank you that you are the friend who sticks closer than a brother. God, that you have made a way for we uh, who are sinful and broken people to be like you and to come and live with you forever. And Lord, that you start that process with us even now. As soon as we humble ourselves and turn on the path of wisdom and the fear of the Lord, that we become like you. Lord God, I thank you for your word and the powerful, powerful impact that it is on all of our lives. God, be with us this week as we go forward, as we make friends, as we um, speak into people's lives and have uh, our lives shaped likewise by our friends. Thank you, God, that you have placed us uh, with the people who you desire us to be with. Lord, that we can uh, shape them and that they can shape us. God, help us uh, to be wise in all of the things uh, in your word, Lord. We pray these in your name.